Oh yeah, ladies and gents, it's your buddy Gavin, filibuster freestyle. We are back this week, and unfortunately, the topic du jour is going to be the passing of now the late great Eddie Money, rock star Eddie Money, passed away at the age of seventy late last week. We are bringing in Dan O'Brien, most famously known in the filibuster freestyle circles as our pundit for Game of Thrones, aka Wine Wall and Dragons. Um, also, unfortunately. Not only did we lose Eddie Money, but we also lost Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, all-time great frontman, singer, aficionado, extraordinaire, etc., Rick Ocasek of the Cars. Um, we are not going to do a full piece on Rick Ocasek. Um, recording this on September 16th, which is the night after we all learned that Rick Ocasek has passed. We're going to hit you with some Eddie Money tribute stuff after the theme song. Um, and then my plan is to hopefully bring in Roscoe P of Drilling Threes to um, you know do a more full tribute to Rick Ocasek later in the week. Um, certainly, uh, unfortunately, the rock world lost two all-timers. Uh, certainly, Rick Ocasek's an all-timer, and Dan and I are going to make the case for why many of you out there who may not think of Eddie Money as an all-timer, how dare you? He is. We're going to give you some uh, tidbits about why we think he is, and you should hopefully give him his props now that he is unfortunately shuffled off of this mortal coil. Anyway, place is listening really quickly before we hit the theme song. Uh, a city or town called Bandar Seri Begawan, probably not saying that right, in Brunei. Uh, another place I'm not going to say right in the Ukraine called Kmelnitsky. Definitely not how it looks like it's spelled, and I probably got that one wrong. Here are two I can get right, though. Texas City, Texas, and Honolulu, Hawaii. All those cities and many more listen. In terms of nations listening besides the United States, the United Kingdom, the Philippines, Russia, Greece, Australia, Brunei, and uh, I think there was one more, but I wrote Russia down twice, which is bad enough considering how much they've been listening to me lately uh, in Siberia, which we're still trying to figure out. Anyway, Eddie Money coming up next. Uh, well, he won't be coming up, but the topic of the day is Eddie Money on the Filibuster Freestyle from Dan O'Brien. By the way, really quickly, follow us on social media, Instagram at Filibuster Freestyle. You can follow me on Twitter at my first name and last name together, Gavin Viano, at Gavin Viano. Um, what else? Well, yeah, subscribe on SoundCloud, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Google Music Play, or if you just want to go to the website, it's filibusterfreestyle.com. Theme song coming, baby. Then Dan O'Brien. Filibuster, filibuster freestyle. Filibuster, filibuster Watch out for the filibuster. 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 Freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. It's the filibuster freestyle. Filibuster freestyle. Oh, yeah, ladies and gents, after an incredibly brief production meeting, the great Dan O'Brien returns from beyond the wall. Winewall and Dragons, pundit. Is back in the real world, Dan O'Brien. How are you, first of all, my friend? Great, thank you so much for having me again. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back. I it was for a, a, a more joyous occasion than to celebrate a deceased rock and roller. Yeah, the worst part about it is that the, the last time people talked to you on these airways or heard from you, we were mourning the loss of, of not only Daenerys Targaryen, the character, but also the show Game of Thrones in real life. And now we're talking about, unfortunately, 
uh, Eddie Money passing. And also, really quickly, uh, as I mentioned before the theme song, but you may want to weigh in quickly, express your condolences. Uh, the Cars lost Rick Ocasek, uh, lead singer, frontman, and uh, Hall of Famer. Rick Ocasek passed away yesterday. So not a great, not a great reason for, to bring you back in terms of a salubrious occasion, but well, then we have to, we have to kind of power through. I'm, I'm just going to take your word for it that salubrious is a word. Um, I'm not, I'm not positive of that. I'm pretty sure it is. Very impressive then. Um, I, I, yeah, I just want to mention Rick Ocasek real quick, and I know you are going to do a a separate, uh, pod to, to kind of celebrate him with is worthy of celebration, but it's, I think it's just interesting because Rick Ocasek and Eddie Money, knee Edward Mahoney, uh, were kind of two, two sides of the same rock and roll coin. Mm. They're, They're you know, they did the exact same, not the exact same, but they, they hit at a very similar time frame around 78 yep. to the mid 80s. Um, and they, they both did very different things. Uh, not very different. They both did different things in the rock and roll, roll game, went about it very differently, that's for sure. Um, but both just churned out pop hits uh, that seemed to be between the two of them, between Eddie Money and the Cars. I feel like if you were drive, if you are, uh, if you were driving anywhere in the '80s or '90s, one of those songs always came on the radio. Um, no question about it. Uh, and a staying power. Let's not forget both the Cars and your your guy Edward Mahoney, aka Eddie Money. Their songs are still on the radio today. Yeah, um, and you know, I think Ocasek and the Cars might have a bit of a deeper bench. Sure, uh, sure. <laughs> you, you, you can get into that uh, in the next one, but tonight we'll just celebrate the man. Uh, that that was Eddie Money, no doubt. And we're sorry to be doing it, but we're, it's, we we feel like it's it's absolutely worth it uh, to chronicle uh, what is actually maybe until this moment an underrated career by many, um, and hopefully people will leave the pod with a properly rated perspective. Um, here's the thing, you know, you're I'm I'm 40, I'm almost 41. I, I think you're probably 42 ish. Is that fair to say? Ish. No, yeah, 42. Okay, so this, this, we are the target audience for this, this sentence, which is, if you graduated high school between 1994 and 1998, it means you were just old enough in the 80s to love Eddie Money in the moment, but just young enough for your like subliminal psyche to think it was more than okay to love Eddie Money forever. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. You know, a little bit older, and you're like, okay, Eddie, Mar- Eddie Money... Was great in the moment. It's cheesy now. A little younger, you're like, "Who the hell is Eddie Money?" Okay, but but we were right in that sweet spot, that wheelhouse of early 40s, very very late 30s people. Who again, 1986 was a big year for a lot of us. Um, we were starting to pay attention to pop culture as you know, seven, eight, nine year olds, and Eddie Money was front and friggin' center. I'm not gonna lie. Um, if yeah, working backwards and. Uh, with Eddie Money, I mean, you, you can't. You have to start pretty pretty much with "Take Me Home Tonight." It, it begins and ends with that. It's an all time banger. It's a song that if it came out right now it would be a hit. Right. Uh, and it was eighty six, eighty seven, eighty seven. I think it was eighty six. Was when the record came out. It may have been a single in eighty seven. I'm not sure. Between the song and the video play on MTV, it was impossible not to uh, not to know that song, not to know Eddie Money, and then. Uh, having his back catalog being played all over the place as well. And let's not pretend that it doesn't come on in 40% of all bars in the world, or at least in North America, still, at least once a week. You know what I mean? Who 
who's turning that song off when it comes on? I, I don't know. And if and they're probably not listening to this podcast. Um, at least not they haven't gotten this far. But I'm going to walk us through a little bit of his chronology just Great. to show kind of this like staying power. And my hope is that we're going to you know focus on a lot of his hit songs, obviously. And if we've got a little, you know, some anecdotes, some nostalgia, or just some hot takes on his songs, I think that's what we're trying to accomplish here. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. All right, I'll follow your lead. Let's go. Let's take a walk down memory lane. So and I did say this to you, and I did tweet this, by the way, right before we do this. And you correctly pointed out that Eddie came on the scene in the late 70s. But I did say that... Eddie Money filled a gap in the mid-80s between Huey Lewis and the News and Whitesnake at a time when America actually wanted that gap and needed that gap to be filled. But he came on the scene much earlier than that. Um, I was shocked to finally figure out that Eddie Money debuted with Two Tickets to Paradise as the number 22 song on the charts in 1977. Crazier fact... That was not the number one single from that album. The number one single from that album was called Baby Hold On, which which, which peaked at number 11 in 1977. So thoughts on those two songs, and let me just say my my piece, which is Two Tickets to Paradise is still incredibly relevant, like, today. Right. Agreed. 41-year-old song. Well, this is the thing, and there's a theme, and I was trying to go through the discography... Every song that Eddie Money ever wrote or sang was all about hooking up with a girl. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't want to, to sit here and put Eddie Money on a pet. Eddie Money was a rock and roll guy who was, he was not a poet. He was, uh, he was somebody who just sang relatively simple ballads about hooking up. That, that was it. And every baby, hold on, two tickets to pair, everything is about trying to, to kiss a girl, kissing a girl, uh, winning a girl back. Lamenting the one who got away. Lamenting the one that got away. That is, it is a very straight through line in every single one of his songs. Um, but that's, that's sort of what they're not, they're simple, they resonate, uh, and they're relevant to everybody, you know? Absolutely. Uh, you know, love and love lost. Absolutely. So this guy comes in the scene, he charts two top 25 hits in 1977, this is, you know, nine years before his seminal record, Can't Hold Back, which has, you know, Take Me Home Tonight, we'll get into that. Right. But he recorded five records before that seminal 1986 record. So, 77 comes on the scene, he's got a lasting hit in Two Tickets to Paradise. Number number 22 song again for him with Maybe I'm a Fool, <laughs> another love song, um, <laughs> off of 1979's Life for the Taking. Um then in 1980, he releases Playing for Keeps. And unfortunately, modest success, three singles that charted at 46, 65, 78, respectively. I know none of them. No, that, and that's another thing. It is feast or famine with any money. And uh, it's unbelievable. He keeps, like, he was a one-hit wonder like nine times. That, that, that's a great way to, to describe his, his entire career. Um, I think it should also be mentioned that Possibly because of or in spite of uh, a, the wicked alcohol and drug problem he was managing this entire time. To do. Uh, that, that may be why the, some of the uneven songwriting and performances, I don't know. You, uh, you know, yeah. you make a really good point. Um, I noticed in his discography on my Wikipedia dive yesterday that many of his songs are written by him and like five other people. 
And my guess is that when you're managing that type of substance abuse, you need a lot of cooks in the kitchen to get the idea <laughs> to a finished yeah. product sometimes. Um, yeah. And sometimes that worked out great, and sometimes it didn't. And, and he's a feast or famine guy. He's like a cleanup hitter in your lineup. He might be batting 235, but he's got you know 27 dingers and 157 strikeouts, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. Yeah. He's the Rob Deere of uh, rock and roll. Rob Deere reference. Well played, sir. Thank you. Um, yeah, so he was he was kind of famous in the in the recording world for being a fantastic drunk performer, and that like he could get hammered and then just get on stage and just and just nail it, and then get off and collapse, um, which a lot of people can't pull off, and I really wouldn't suggest it to anybody. No, again. no, especially what we know about alcoholism now, relative to the seventies and early eighties. <laughs> Um, not necessary, you know, but, but, you know, Eddie Money, one of his superpowers, um, was to do that, which frankly, considering, you know, how much he liked to rock and roll, probably a good talent to have for him. Um, go down down that YouTube, uh, dive and see a couple of his live performances. You can kind of smell the booze through the screen. Right, right. But but he he hits everything. He nails everything. And I'm not sure if you have your, I'm sure you don't have your tweet in front of you, but you alluded to, uh, you can try to paraphrase yourself better than I can, but... He he had that karaoke mystique in a good way, but <laughs> yeah, the, uh, in the and we'll get to this probably next uh, in the video for for Shaken. Yep. Um, he jumps on stage and he's wearing like a bad suit, not even a suit, just like a bad bad pants, and, and uh, it looks like he just got out of a work happy hour. Uh, and he <laughs> yep. And boozed up and has probably done some other things too, and just crushes it. He's fantastic. And that's apparently actually autobiographical, right? I mean, yeah. And I don't know if it might, might be due to you know, fashions have obviously changed greatly. But going through a lot of his videos, he's always dressed like I don't know, a little strangely. It's just uh, he's always in some sort of like suit-ish getup or like a jacket, a jacket or something like that. Correct, correct. And you mentioned you mentioned a really good song there, and we're going to get into that right now because you know we, we talk about you know 1979. Decent one-hit wonder off his '79 record, 1980 right. record. No, no top, you know, 40 hits. All, you know, top 46 and above. Um, 1982 comes out with "No Control," the record, and "Think I'm in Love," which is a huge hit off the record, a top 20 hit, which is a great song. I enjoy it. But yeah. the craziest thing is that "Shaken." Charted at number 63. And all I want to say to everybody in 1982 is you show me the 62 songs in front of it and ask me how they held up till 2019 because my guess is Shaken's in the top five. It, that is insane to me. And doing the, that was one of the fun things about doing this research is going back and being like, oh, yeah, Shaken is a absolute jam. That's a, that song slaps. The and it's it's better than you know. Every I, I hear "Baby Hold On" and Two Tickets to Paradise," and obviously "Take Me Home Tonight" on the radio still for, pretty frequently. I rarely hear "Shaken," and that song is still fantastic. Do you know where I hear "Shaken" a lot though? Is like in certain types of bars, like with the '80s nostalgia feel. Um, you hear "Shaken" a lot. You know where. Where are these 80s bars? Well, I live in the South. So, like, just okay. bars where people listen to music from the 80s exclusively more is what I'm getting at. The South or, like, Pittsburgh? Probably both. You know, yeah. as my good friend Mark likes to say, what's the difference between rednecks in the South and the North? About 450 miles. So, <laughs> anyway, that's a different podcast. Um, I'm glad to hear Shaken still getting some love in certain bars. Shaken's huge. I love Shaken. You love Shaken. We all love Shaken. So, 
1983, Eddie's on another high crest, and so he puts another album right out called Where's the Party? And unfortunately, this was another dip in his career from a standpoint of popularity. I think the party was in the recording studio bathroom uh, when they were doing this. Um, Correct. Maybe a lot of false confidence in how good the songs were because America didn't buy it, literally and figuratively. But you know what? For every good crestfallen moment is a chance for someone like Eddie to get back on his feet. And this time, you know, it's like the year 1986 and Eddie Money both had a date with Destiny and each other in the form of his record Can't Hold Back. He basically caught the year 1986 soundtrack in a bottle. What do you think about that? A hundred percent. Who? I don't. I, did he have a, a a part in actually writing that song? I know they. I know he wouldn't sing it unless Ronnie Spector came and did the original. Uh, the line. Yeah, um, yeah. Be my little baby hook. Absolutely. Yeah, which was re- which was a really cool thing to do. Like a, a nice pay pay the respects. And also, I don't, I don't think Ronnie Spector was doing too great in financially at that time. So to get her get her a little love and some national uh, international stage again uh, really helped her out so that was a really nice thing for him to do absolutely I'm going to research that right now because frankly we need to know we need to know the writing credits for that but while we do let me give you a little something to feast on so that record features not only the number four charting Take Me Home Tonight which is his all time best hit but one of my favorites uh, number 14 position I Want to Go Back yeah, it's an underrated jam. Uh, Endless Nights, not a bad song. Kind of forgot it was his, but it was number 21. And even a, a, a top a top 100 hit, number 90 to be exact, with We Should Be Sleeping, which, again, on brand for Eddie Money theme song title, or title song themes, um, or song title themes, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> but, but Take Me Home Tonight, I, I want to get to the bottom of this, for gosh sakes. Um... Because, you know what? We deserve to know. We deserve to know. Um, and I can't get to his discography. This is what the crack research team on vacation. Oh, okay. I got the producers. Eddie Money. Richie Zito. The great Richie Zito, of course. Uh, songwriters. Who's Richie? Do you know, really know Richie Zito? No, I don't. Uh, okay. okay. No, I thought maybe I'm just... All right, here we go. Because it took me long enough and it interrupted the pod. So let's go. Um... Eddie Money was a producer and obviously sang on it with Richie Zito and Jacob Dooley, all producers. The songwriters, and this might be why Ronnie Spector got on there. Mike Leeson, Peter Vale, Vale, excuse me, Ellie Greenwich, or Greenwich, however you want to say it, Jeff Barry, and Ronnie Spector's husband, Phil Spector. Which, uh, way oh, a lot going were they on there. together at the time? I don't know, but I mean, they put it on the record. And he wrote it. Now, maybe he gets a writing credit because he wrote Be My Little Baby. Yeah, I, I guarantee you that's it. Okay. He, he, he had nothing to do with... Uh, with 100% history. agree. That's what threw me off. But anyway, so Eddie does not have a songwriting credit on his number one hit, which yeah. is fine. So it was written for him. Wow, he was lucked out because he was not necessarily at the top of his game in 87, 86, 87. Um, no, not after 1983. Where's the party? For sure. Yeah. So probably a couple stints in rehab, a couple underwhelming albums, and then somebody gives him this song. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I would say this song, if you were going to put together a double mixtape of the 1980s, this song would make it, right? I mean, I wouldn't just even limit it to the 80s. Like, if you're doing a rock and roll retrospective, you know how they used to... Yeah. Time Life, 
these are like the rock and the history of rock and roll. This is on, this is on there. It has to be. It's I kind fantastic. of agree. I kind of agree. Yeah. Uh, six, 1960 to 2020, this song is an iconic jam. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And like I said, this guy's an guy's like a one-hit wonder with nine hits. Like he, but this song obviously stands head and shoulders above the rest. But again, I go back to Shaking. I can listen to Shaking right now and be incredibly happy about it. Yeah, I'm going to start playing that in bars. Uh, yeah, please do. I can't wait, actually. Now, I don't actually do this, but what I, I could have meant earlier was whenever I go into a bar, I play Shaken, but that's not true. Um, <laughs> I refuse to use touch tones. I leave that to Chief Financial Officer, Cindy Harrington. Um, nice. So as the freight train goes by, I want to point out that I Want to Go Back came out in 86, and I don't know if it was part of the Back to the Future soundtrack or not. I think it was. Um, but my point is that might've been the first song about nostalgia to come out when we were young enough to not know what nostalgia was. But then hearing that song later, I'm like, Oh my God, that was my introduction to, to nostalgia. The concept of nostalgia. Pretty crazy. My own personal I, journey. I remember that song. I'm familiar with that song. It's a fine song. Yeah. But I, I can't say I ever gave it a second thought. Well, good, um, good for you. <laughs> and that that goes for ninety four percent of any anybody's catalog. Well, and, and, and that's why you know that that's the difference between a number fourteen song, which basically probably came out on the heels of a top five banger at the time, "Take Me Home Tonight." You know, your right. B your B side can get top fifteen if if it's good. You've a good enough A side. You know, um, it, it was it's tough. He, he never had a deep album, you know. He, he wasn't putting out thrillers. No, three hit, three to four hits at, at, at three, four singles max for Eddie Money. And, but when you know, I want to go back. If he had come out with that, that was a, a song that is, it is very, that is reminiscent of '86. Absolutely weird because that song in itself is reminiscent of like the late '60s. Um, yes, but it, it's tough. It's tough when you have a song that, like I said, is an all-time last six decades of rock and roll next to it. Um, and this other song, the second single off the album is, it's a good song. And yeah, 14 that year, 1986. And I feel like that's about appropriate, maybe even a little high. Um, probably a little high. Probably rode the wave. I mean, Endless Nights, which I can barely even remember, was number 21. So due to three top 21 hits, really on the strength of having an all-time single. I think. I, I think it got. I think it got a lot of uh, a lot of that good karma and a good good buzz. From yeah. Uh, uh, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats, if you will. Yeah. Can I, can I say one thing? I'm sort of thinking of about the career of Eddie Money. Of course. I, I feel like just both the timeline and what was going on is there's a lot. I, I'm getting big uh, Boogie Nights, Dirk Diggler vibes between Eddie Money and Dirk Diggler, and that the timeline of when they started, <laughs> what they had to do. And Eddie Money's like, if Dirk Diggler had a happy ending. Like, he he got sober, he had the comeback, yeah. and then he, he raised a family after that. Um, but it was like, you know, in the late 70s, they both hit hit big, went, went through some troubles, um, and then Eddie Money's comeback succeeded. Yes, and, which is actually good for Eddie, and, and tough for Dirk, but luckily Dirk is, is not real, so that's okay. Well... However, Dirk is based on a lot of people whose lives probably didn't end so well. So, yeah, um, yeah. that's that's fair, too. So good for you, Eddie Money. A lot of parallels between the John Holmes slash Dirk Diggler uh, and, and Eddie Money. Fair, fair, fair. 
And any money comes out on top. So listen, this is the best part, though. We've seen Eddie kind of go through feast and famine, feast and famine. This is the one moment in his career where he put back-to-back hit records together. So 1988 comes around. We're still kind of in that like post post 1986 glow. Not too much had changed, right? And he follows it up with the Nothing to Lose album. Good for you, Eddie. And he comes out with another top 10 hit, Walk on Water, which frankly, I always forget it exists until I remember it's him and it exists. And it's a perfect late 80s jam. Yeah, and I think this is still, you're getting some of the runoff from Take Me Home Tonight, is Mm -hmm. that people were going to buy whatever he was selling next. Yeah. After hearing Take Me Home, and that's a testament to what a powerful song that was, what an awesome song it is, is that the other songs on the album from Take Me Home Tonight got, got a bump. His next album got a giant bump, too. Like, I, there's no, I don't think that that next album is, is much better or worse than the album previous. What was the album from Take Me Home Tonight? What's the name of it? Uh, that one is called uh, Can't Hold Back. Yeah. Uh, anything done before that, I don't think the one after Take Me Home Tonight is... is uh, he got the album bump, basically the "Take Me Home Tonight" bump, the famous one. Yeah, yeah. and that's what happens when you know when, nothing, and that's why he called it "Nothing to Lose" because he, he was he was playing with house money, right? I mean, mm-hmm. whatever he put out was going to work. But so you got "Walk on Water," top ten hit, number nine. "The Love in Your Eyes," number twenty five, four, excuse me, top twenty five <laughs> hit, and of course even "Let Me In" at number sixty, which I cannot pick out of the police lineup. But apparently in nineteen eighty eight. It was a top 60 song in America. So good for you, Eddie but, Money. And Eddie, Mar- Eddie, Eddie Money is still singing at this point about French kissing girls in the back of cars. That's all, that's all he's doing. And what's amazing about this part, and, and I didn't, you know, this was not planned, but like, it's really, if you can make it as a guy singing about making out with girls, you know, in high school, and you're like 22 or 25. Right. That's maybe great, maybe not great. But I love that you just tr- double and triple and quadruple down into your late 30s. <laughs> oh, yeah, go back to that well. <laughs> you know, it's like the John Mellencamp playbook, but like, honestly, frankly, I don't know. Maybe in my mind, more successful, but everybody knows that I hate John Mellencamp. So that's neither here nor there. Um, I, that. I don't hate him, but I just I think he's overrated. That's so, okay. That's fair. Hate's a strong word. Um, What's even more amazing, more amazing than 1988's album bump, which was totally, totally legit, is that between 1988 and 1991, a bunch of Eddie's peers got their metaphoric knees chopped off by the grunge movement. Uh Huey Lewis, Loverboy, Poison, Whitesnake, everybody getting absolutely ruined by Nirvana. Ruined by Pearl Jam. But somehow, Eddie puts out, in 1991, the Right Here album. And you would think, you know, it wouldn't do great. And it didn't do great. But <laughs> And you'd be right. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, you know, it, you know, it took grunge <laughs> to kill Eddie Money's momentum. And he still sold a bunch of records. I think he had some, like, adult contemporary chart hits. Um, at that point, but like there was still a big fan base for Eddie. So good for you for putting it out there. Can't say I didn't see it coming though, from my hindsight, which is 1991 just didn't didn't get the bump that we well, wanted. 
Yeah, well, by 1991, it wasn't in the cards. He, he could have had Take Me Home on that album, and people wouldn't have bought it. But I did, I did write here that it did better than you'd think. Certainly better than many others in his genre, of course. Apparently, I was too lazy to write why. Take my damn word for it. Go to Wikipedia, everybody. It's the right here album. It did better. It did better than I'm saying. I'll look that well, up, too. Because, the, because I, I have a theory on that. Is the reason it did better um, is, at this point, he's been doing... Uh, either make out or break up songs for 12 years. Yep. So any, anybody that's been getting in a relationship from 1977 up through like 88 has like been in a dance or like had critical relationship moments yep. with any any money songs in the background. Yes. So so he is now officially in 1991 a, a nostalgia act which is sometimes a tough pill to swallow for a lot of rock and roll people. Yeah. But, but I feel like Eddie Money pivoted very well into that and made it a very lucrative career. Yeah, he really did. But, okay, I've got it up in front of me now. Three singles off of this record. Wow. In 1991, you're gonna, Dan, you are going to love the title of this song. <laughs> it is called I Crap You Not, Heaven in the Backseat. I mean, yeah, uh, he, it is... Eddie Money going right back to the old number one fastball pitch. <laughs> we know it's coming. And he still throws it right down the middle. He's so mad that he didn't do Paradise by the Dashboard Lights with Meatloaf. Literally, it's called Heaven in the Backseat. Charted at number 58 in 1991. But crazy that in 92, number 21, I'll Get By, which again, couldn't pick out of a police lineup... But there was some audience for Eddie somewhere. You're ma- I, you could be making up these songs. I'm li- literally not. I'm on a little site called wikipedia.org. And uh, it must be true because it's verified. <laughs> and, and the follow-up hit on 1992, in 1992 all, all on the same record here, Fall in Love Again at number 54. So my man has three hits off this record there in the top 60 in two different years during the grunge wave revolution that killed all his contemporaries. That's crazy, especially when you look at it from the prism of all three of those songs charted higher than Shaken. Than Shaken. It's crazy. During his wheelhouse time. Yeah, during the height of classic rock. Like he, uh, I don't understand. So I just want to point out that Take Me Home Tonight gave him a bump through grunge. Yes. All it's doing is proving your point. That this this song is so damn amazing that in 1992 people were still like, yeah, Eddie Money, definitely. <laughs> uh, and I think it's just it's worth mentioning that there was a movie, whatever, eight years ago, uh, that was basically an 80s nostalgia movie with uh, what's his name, Topher Grace, and some other people uh, called "Take Me Home Tonight," and it was all that's right. That song represents the entire. Um, it encapsulates the entire decade very well. Better than probably, uh, possibly, any other song. Yeah, and it's a lot safer than certain songs, too. You know, like, everybody likes that song. Um, yeah. You know, like, Prince, obviously, 6,000 times better than any money. But yeah. a, lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people don't get Prince. A lot of people don't understand Prince. A lot of people don't think Prince is for them. Yeah, Eddie Money is simple and accessible and approachable um, and not complex, certainly. Right. Well, like, um, like Madonna, very, very polarizing, you know? Biggest star of the 80s, arguably. 
really polarizing, not safe for everybody. So yeah. Um, plus Madonna, you know, definitely transcended other decades too, in some ways. So different, different pod once again. Right. Uh, okay. Finally, when she passes, we'll, uh, we'll get back to you. Of course. Of course. Finally, we're looking at Eddie starting doing albums called unplug it in. He's doing uh, Columbia house records, compilation, best, best of records. Um, yeah. He's going right to your point, Dan, into Nostalgia Rock City. He does try two records in the 90s, 1995's Love and Money and 1999's Ready Eddie. And the wheels are really coming off the Money Man's hit train at this point because there's not a damn song I can talk to you about here. They're just no, isn't. Neither one of those albums uh, registered to, to Dan O'Brien in college. No, not, <laughs> even, not even close. Then... He tried, this is when you know you've hit kind of nostalgia rock is, is, is all you've got, is when you try to do a remake slash covers album and do other people's songs and hope that one of your versions of those t- t- 10 songs gets picked up and kind of hits. Um, so he did a record in 07 called I Want to Go Back, which, yeah, okay. And of, co- of course you do. And, and none of those songs crossed over. Bunch of other stuff. Finally, this July, 2019, he released an album called Brand New Day with 11 songs, two months before his death. I'm not going to lie, Dan. I hope it goes platinum, even though nothing goes platinum anymore. Have you heard any of these songs? No, I just found out yesterday it existed. But the fact that he made music as the end was near, I think, is pretty cool. Um, whatever he had to get out artistically, I got to imagine he got out. Um, and, you know, for the, for the people who listen to this show... You know, let's all check out a little brand new day, not by Sting, but by Eddie Money, <laughs> made in the final year of his life. And what, let's, are the, what are the title? What are some of the titles of the album? Do you have it open front of you? I can I can get it in just just a GIF, as they say. Yeah, I, and I think while you're looking at that, I just want to pose a question to you as well. Uh, it, see if had you ever watched his reality show? No. I I have not either. I tried uh, ahead of this pod, but it's not on demand. Like, but it is currently being shown on Access TV, which also used to be known as the HD Network. Yes, Mark- loved Mark- Access TV. Yeah, exactly. They have the Dan Rather interviews with very old bands, and they had you know all all old concerts and things like that, and some mixed martial arts fighting. But they also have a reality show called Real Money. Its second season had recently started. Uh, and they it's about him and his wife who he married in I guess the late 80s or 1990 yeah and they they had five kids together he sobered up um and uh he's sort of been you know doing the nostalgia rock tour and it's just talk, and I think some of his kids are in his band oh that's cool this, yeah I <laughs> I just I only know it by the synopsis I'd heard of it before and sort of like scoffed at it but now I'm very curious about my uh DVR I like it. So here we go. Eddie Money's Brand New Day, released in 2019, Genre Rock. Uh-huh. Okay, it's 11 songs, but it's 37 minutes and 23 seconds long. So probably a lot of quick hitters. No BS. And it's on the label Money Music Incorporated. Of course it is. So here are the names of the songs. Number one, Brand New Day, title track. There. Number two, California Dream. Okay. Number three, The Way That We Roll. Number four, I love New York. <laughs> Number five, shame on me. That sounds more like the Eddie Money we know and love, okay? Number six, Dancing in the Moonlight. Don't know if it's a remake or not, but I'd have to imagine it is. Number seven, Ain't No Wishing Well. 
That's got to probably be one about looking in the mirror and knowing the end's coming. Um, yeah. Because Eddie was sick. Had esophageal cancer. Pretty, uh, yeah, this sounds like a... Like he, he knows what's happening. Yep. Uh, number eight, Western Hero, which is the longest song on the on the album, 426. That's probably a, a think piece. Uh, number nine, Shake That Thing. Absolutely. One more time. <laughs> number 10, Song for Jesse. I don't know who Jesse is, but it's a short, it's a short hit, 253 in length. And finally, number 11, the last song you'll ever hear if you listen to it chronologically by Eddie Money, These Missing You Blues. Woo! Apropos, uh, apropos. I mean, yeah, I, Eddie Money was never necessarily a tastemaker or an influencer. Uh, he was always somebody that sort of rode the wave uh, and just gave the people what they wanted. You Dude, know? And he wrote it so well. Exactly, he gave the people what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And like, that's why that's why he'll always have a fo- that's why he always had a following in life. He'll those you know four, five, six to you know maybe seven. I don't know songs that are really they'll always be in play. Um, and I just urge that uh, people listen to the criminally underrated Shaken a little more. Yeah, Shaken needs to become like a triple platinum certified download stream, whatever they call it. Like, and also go look at the video on on YouTube for God's sakes. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Real quickly, um, this wasn't planned, but you know, last Sunday, my, myself and Andrew Patterson and Roscoe P. Before we knew about the allegations against Antonio Brown, we're really yucking it up about how great the Patriots were for signing Antonio Brown. <laughs> you, as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, uh, with the perspective that Antonio Brown did play yesterday, played pretty well, but more importantly, is being accused of horrible things, would you like to give us a little taste of comeuppance pie while, while I have you here? You know, I, I mean, it's, it's a little gross, yeah, because the, the allegations are pretty terrible. And even apart from those allegations, it does seem, if you're able to, to, to take those allegations off the table, which apparently the New England wasn't aware of them at the time, they say, um, he, Antonio Brown has, like, uh, the last 18 months has acted like a pretty horrendous human being. Mm. Um, so much so that people were questioning, people, not just, like, critics or People who have no skin in the game were questioning whether, like, head injuries had affected his judgment. Mm-hmm. The way, the way he like just submarine helped submarine the team last year in Pittsburgh and this whole act in the off season and with the Raiders and whatever. Um, so when you throw in rape allegations on top of that, um, it's pretty gross. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's not. I don't want to. You know, listen. I'm going to criticize the Patriots regardless of what they do. Um, but they made it easy on this one. <laughs> they like, really did. They really did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sign. You knew somebody was going to sign him, um, and everybody when the Patriots signed him, it was like, oh, of course, whatever. And I think actually Chris Long, uh, former Patriot and former Eagle, was asked about this, and he said he's like, the, the reason Belichick does this is because uh, players know what the boundaries are in the Patriots. They know it's their last chance, and he's like, he has no problem cutting anybody, uh, and he's like. They can screw around anywhere else. A lot of times it works with the Patriots is that he sets clear boundaries. Like, if you cross this line, I will cut you. Yeah. And they also know it's their probably last best chance for if, if they stay stick, stick the rules, probably at the very least they'll be playing in the final game or have a really good shot at getting a ring. So that's why people will, um, you know, keep their nose clean for the most part when they, once Belichick signs them. So that's, that's nice and all. Uh, but I don't know. Once you find out about the rape allegations, 
Yeah, might, I agree. I agree. I mean, it, it was might not have been a great idea. At least, at the, yeah, I'm not saying release him, uh, but at least you know maybe sit him out a week until you hear more information. Yeah. Uh, well, my my guess is the league's going to probably sit him starting this week. So I know, um, and one fantasy team is, is sad about that, but generally the rest of my body is not correct. And, and I agree. And I, you know, we we and by we I mean the Patriots fans and myself and, and Roscoe and Andrew. We we, we all. Definitely quickly talked ourselves into, well, it can work anywhere, it can work here. Oh, sure, sure. But that was definitely, you know, for those of you who go back and listen to last week's pod, which has unfortunately gotten a ton of listens. (laughs) (laughs) Really yucking it up about your new rapist wide receiver. Yeah, we didn't know that part. And so we definitely acknowledged the seriousness of that. We did not know it at the time. So um, definitely want to express not even remorse because we didn't know we were, we didn't know who we were advocating for, but... Really crummy, really creepy, really icky, as Dan says. I'm going to leave it there. But, of course, the 24-hour rule really, you know, it, nothing's safe with this guy. <laughs> no, for that, that's another thing. It's, it's like it, I'm not – I never really – I didn't really care one way or the other about Antonio Brown um, until, you know, even when he was going through the struggle last year with the Steelers. I don't really care for the Steelers, but, I, you know, I, he was a great player whatever. So this is all sort of new. I've, I've never really thought one way or the other about him. Yeah. Um, but it, it, everything that comes out, all the new, it's just something's going on, and it's not great. And uh, it's, I would hate to be a reporter and have to cover all this because, you know, what? how do you, it's all, I don't know. Uh, yeah, gross. It's not great. Yeah, exactly. Well, enjoy, enjoy your team. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, That'll exactly. be a lot of great karma for you. Regardless of what you do, uh, there's some, you got a lot of bad karma. Well, that's probably true. So we'll, we can leave that. We can leave football talk there. But I definitely wanted to get that addressed at the end there, for those still listening. Anyway, Dan O'Brien and I are looking forward to potentially debuting a new a new segment for Dan. We're going to keep it under wraps right now. But with Game of Thrones gone, I think we've we've maybe settled in a way to bring Dan back into the zeitgeist and to the freestyle family on a more regular basis, which is super exciting. And also, Dan, I do want to point out that I have fallen in love with the show uh, Below Deck, the franchise, I should say. Oh, so good. And I'm really excited to hopefully pivot um, both your wife and my fiancé away from Southern Charm and, and into Below Deck starting oh, ASAP. God, speaking of icky, I mean, Southern Charm is gone. It's just sort of, it's not as fun. It's not as interesting. It's, uh, it's, it's sort of a, a downer a bit, um, as yeah. these people learn how to hide their foibles in front of the camera. Uh, they get a little more astute at that. But on the other hand, below deck, yes, sir. The show that always delivers the stakes could not be lower, but it is still so entertaining. Um, so yeah, yeah so- also, a little tip. Have you watched uh, The Righteous Gemstones on HBO? I have not started it yet. I'm getting ready to. Yeah, it's, it's good. I think you'll like it. Good stuff. And then right back at you, are you, are you on the succession train or no? No. Uh, actually, Darren and I were just about to start doing a deep dive on that as well. So I will keep you posted. I've heard great things. Dude, it's really good. Give it the first four or five episodes of season one to kind of shake out and get your attention. Like any good series does. Kind of right. makes you wonder why you're doing it for a while. And then... Unlike Westworld, it delivers halfway through the season instead of, you know, oh, thank God. doing the doing the opposite. And I was going to say about six things I can't say on the radio. So I've watched too many shows from Westworld to the show called Legion to a couple other shows where I've, I've spent three, four seasons watching them, and I still don't even know if I like it. So it, Succession, I'm happy yeah. to at least 
let me feel something. Yeah, give them five. Give them five hours, and then if you don't, if you don't like it, it's it's it'll be it'll be shocking to me. So, and I'll do the same with the gemstones because I love the cast on paper. So I'm excited to try it out. All right, stick around for a minute, Dan. We'll catch up. Thanks for coming on. R.I.P. to Rick Ocasek. R.I.P. to Eddie Money. Edward um, Mahoney, former police officer in training, now rock legend. Rock legend. And I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame, but something tells me you and I are going to moonlight for his candidacy very soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not, but Eddie Money should live forever, and he will in the form of Take Me Home Tonight. All right, Dan, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you.